Hello, and welcome to the Screen Skills Ireland podcast. I'm Christina Yee. And I'm Liam Geraghty. Christina is a writer, director, and animator. And Liam is a radio broadcaster and podcast producer. I am dazzled by our talents. <laughs> On today's show, we're going to be looking at a great initiative. Earlier this year, three experienced writers were chosen from an open call to go to LA for a week for writer's room placements and mentorship. The participants got to sit in on the writers' rooms for Supergirl and the crime drama SWAT and chat with the showrunners. The writers had mentorship meetings with writer-producer Javier Grillo Marksock of Lost, Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance, Cowboy Bebop, and showrunner Mike Royce of One Day at a Time, Everybody Loves Raymond, Men of a Certain Age, Enlisted, and that was all at Sony Studios. So today, we're going to hear from the writers about their trip and what they took away from the whole experience. But first, we wanted to meet the person who is behind all of this. Des Doyle. Hi, I'm Des Doyle. I'm a filmmaker from Dublin, Ireland. I have been working with Screen Skills Ireland for the last two years on a number of different programs designed to try and help Irish writers in the global TV landscape. Des has directed a great documentary all about showrunners, aptly titled Showrunners, The Art of Making a TV Show. The showrunner is the lifeblood of a television show. It's a collaborative art form, but you still need that one central voice through which all these marvelous creative contributions are processed. So, Des, do you want to just give us a little overview of what the program is, bringing people out to L.A., what the process is, how long they spend out there? Just give us the basics. Well, I suppose the the, the program was born out of discussions between myself and Grania because what we had been doing up to that point was bringing showrunners to Dublin and trying to recreate a feel of the writers' room. Des is talking about Grania Bennett, Screen Skills Ireland, Creativity and Creative Collaborations Skills Executive. But that, you, you can never replicate the feeling of an actual working room on a working show and immersing writers from here in that environment and giving them a sense of what the actual room dynamics are, what the room politics are, how, the methodology that people kind of use. And it differs from show to show based on normally what the kind of showrunners' approaches are. Thankfully, Screen Skills were very supportive from the beginning in trying to do that. That led me to kind of going off and approaching a number of different showrunners that I knew, asking them, you know, was this potentially something that we could do? And the people that I got who were agreeable to that then, it was like trying to chase down clearances from, because you need approval from the, the writers who were in the room with them, you need approval from the studio and the network and everybody to make sure there's no issues when you show up on the day. It's probably lots of top secret stuff yeah, being written. I mean, <laughs> like we, we make it clear this kind of a, a when when the applicant when the successful applicants are through, I kind of send them a list of protocols that need to be followed. One of which is if you are presented with an NDA, you must sign it. There is no room for negotiation about that, and no no one ever has a problem with that anyway. And it, it varies from room to room how secretive people are or not. If it's a heavy heavily serialized show where, you know, they're averse to spoilers on an ongoing basis, it's it's normally more of an issue. But basically what we do is, we, we unfortunately, we can only select three people at a time to do it. And that's for a couple of different reasons. One, it's sheer physicality of how many people you can fit in a room on top of all of the other writers. It's trying not to make all the other writers uncomfortable and burdensomely aware that there's a whole bunch of other people in the room with them. Bit of a zoo effect, potentially. Bit of a zoo <laughs> effect, exactly, because you want them to get very relaxed as, as fast as possible and, and try and get into just what their normal kind of working day would be. 
We normally do between 10 and 11 days. Normally, it's at least two rooms on two different shows. Sometimes we've had the opportunity to go on set as well with some of the shows as they've been filming. There's also a series of what we call mentorship meetings where they get one-on-one time with a showrunner or a producer to kind of ask any kind of detailed questions about the business that they want. And the people who've done those meetings have been exceptionally generous with their time with them. Sounds like an amazing opportunity. Yeah. And is it mostly there? Are they mostly there to observe or do they ever get to participate in these rooms at all? No, they can't participate by legal requirement because there is an issue called story pollution. And if one of our writers were to contribute an idea where that idea exists in chain of title for ideas in the room becomes a major legal issue. So it is unfortunately a legal requirement that they can't participate. What they can do, though, is, and what everybody's been able to do up to this point is, because they're all Irish and they're able to get along with everybody wonderfully, and they've all been lovely people to this point as well, they very quickly become quite friendly with all the writers in the room. So whenever there's a break, whenever there's lunchtime or whatever, we stay in the room, we're chatting with everybody. So they're able to ask a ton of questions, again, about any kind of area of the business that they're interested in. And they've been able to, as a result of like swap contact information and details and be able to follow up with people. So even though they're not able to actually contribute a story idea in the room, uh, I think they find the whole process very valuable. So I guess one of the main differences between the way that writing works in this part of the world and in the U.S. is the existence of writers' rooms. And what do you think is the big difference there? Like, what do you think makes that so such a successful model? One of the reasons they have to have writers' rooms over there, I suppose, is because in terms of episodic orders, they're all much larger than what we would normally do in this part of the world. So it becomes a very big task for a single writer to be producing 10, 13, 20, 22 episodes. They're born out of necessity to a certain extent. Um, also, if you're talking about like broadcast shows where that's literally a machine that turns on in June and the writers have to start and have to keep going and can't ever stop until around March or April the following year, it would be impossible for like one or two or three writers to accomplish that kind of level of production. Part of it's a volume thing. It's it's a volume thing. And, and e- even with the streaming model, like the Netflix model, whereby they'll set up a room in advance, you'll deliver all 10 episodes before you shoot one you still are looking at rooms somewhere between six to eight or, or potentially larger if if the show is of, you know, some particular production scale. And that, again, is just because of, I suppose, the level of complexity to a certain extent of the shows that they're doing and also that they're trying to meet completed scripts by a certain amount of time. And in order to make sure that that happens as efficiently as possible, the more writers that you have to kind of contribute, the better. And I, I think every writer that I know over here who's had any room experience, either here or over there, would say that rooms add tremendous value. It's much easier to be able to bounce ideas around off other writers than it is to be banging your head off a laptop on your own in a room on a sad, rainy Irish day, you know? <laughs> and is that the hope then? Is the hope that, that Irish writers will be able to bring back some of that knowledge and just the way that the, that the model is set up over there? Yeah, absolutely, because there has been like quite a change here in the last 18 months especially where there have been a number of rooms that have been set up and run here, normally for small periods of time. But I I know, for example, that Nick Kelly, who came with us on this trip, had set up rooms here and had put a group of writers together for a specific project. 
And Nick had said to me that based on what he saw in terms of operations in both the rooms that we were in on this most recent trip to LA, he was going to change his approach to running rooms going forward. So that kind of stuff is is very valuable to be able to kind of bring back, I guess. So this is probably a good time to bring in Nick. I'm Nick Kelly. I'm a writer and director, and I was lucky enough to be one of the three people chosen by Screen Ireland and Screen Skills to participate in the LA Writer Rooms placement this year. Do you remember that Guinness ad where Michael Fassbender dives into the ocean, swims across the Atlantic to New York to apologise to his friend? Oh yeah. Nick directed that and tons of other adverts and he made his feature film debut with The Drummer and The Keeper. You need to get your act together. You just need to come back in the booze and split. He's sick, for Christ's sake. And how did you find the experience in L.A.? What did you think about the, the writer's room setup and the culture there of, of writer's rooms? I mean, I was incredibly excited to go and be in a real writer's room. I, I, I always felt that I personally would love to be in a writer's room in Ireland. I felt that it would be, I love the idea of working with other people and maybe taking their crazy half idea and turning it into something good or they taking one of my crazy half ideas and turning it into something good and that you'd work together and come up with something great. So I really, I conceptually really liked the idea and I had read quite a lot about writer's rooms. It's interesting, you know, the things that strike you first. So the first thing was before I went to LA, I, I knew we were going out. And so I kind of, I just, I kind of, got three pairs of shorts in my bag and like I just bought one pair of long trousers because I looked at the temperatures but actually I ended up like you know wearing long trousers all the time because in fact from 9 30 in the morning until six in the evening you're in incredibly air-conditioned rooms in you know the valley actually yeah. not even in LA proper <laughs> and it's really hot outside but it's really cold in the rooms yep. so like actually you could easily come back with the cold. That's true. Any Californian can tell you that. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 my first learning is wear long trousers. <laughs> and did you get that impression, you know, the thing that you're talking about of co- a creative collaboration and the energy that that has? Did you get that impression from the rooms that you visited? So I was in two rooms. I think that the whole ethos was we want your best ideas. I felt so far from being, you know, it wasn't just a question of being open to the ideas of the room or open to collaboration. It was like, if you were to sit in that room and not engage and not engage kind of positively, mm. that that would be kind of not good for you. So I, I would have to say the, the atmosphere in the two rooms was really supportive. So I think that's one of the things that happens. I mean, they were slightly different between the two rooms, slightly different atmospheres, slightly different shows. Slightly different, you know, different makeups of personality. But broadly speaking, you know, everybody in the room, it's like all hands on deck and everybody is really supportive. And if people are talk themselves into a corner or so the way the rooms work typically is somebody's got the board. Typically, when you're in there, the writers who would have been assigned at the beginning of the season to write this particular show, they have sort of brainstormed and they've come up with okay, this is what the show is going to look like. These are the beats. And then they present that to the whole room and then the room feedback. And the room is pretty honest, but pretty positive. Hmm. So they, if there's a big hole in your plan for the show, there's like 15 people in the room typically, or 10 people at least. And they will 
tell you there's a hole. They'll tell you where the holes are. And there'll be debates sometimes about, can we do this? We did this before. Or do we not do this in last season in episode 13 and whatever? The way you couch, the way you respond to somebody's work is, I think, always, I see where you're going with that. I kind of have a problem with this thing. But, you know, could we possibly do this? So you offer something back. Mm. You pitch. They literally say, can I pitch another thought and they literally they pitch to you at the board their thoughts and I think the people at the boards take that all on board and they absorb that so that's really interesting it is very collaborative I think that way the other thing is that in the end there is a sort of a supreme court in each of those rooms which is the showrunner and in each of the two rooms I was in there were sort of two showrunners there was a sort of um, I'm not going to say good cop bad cop that's not quite right there would be involved cop and objective cop. There would be typically a showrunner who, for whom this project, they were really in the guts of it. And they, and then there was one who might come in less often, but would be a bit more of an overview one. I'm guessing every writer's room is a bit different. I know some writer's room just have one showrunner. I know sometimes if you've got an inexperienced showrunner who's like, it's their first show, they'll typically bring in a really experienced showrunner. Mm. So this is not their passion project but they're really good at the bones of how TV works. They're the safe pair of hands yeah, to make sure that it yeah. is delivered. But even within that relationship, you could see that the senior showrunner, the, the, the showrunner that the studio is looking to, who's probably the safe pair of hands, they're trying to empower the other showrunner to do their best thing because, you know, it's their passion that's driving the show. Like for shows that run for a long time, what you really understand is, like people are really cynical about, people are really cynical about Hollywood, People are really cynical about everything to do with, you know, writing commercial long form drama. Mm. But actually, it won't last past a season unless somebody or ideally a clump of people are incredibly passionate about this story. So that passion is a precious thing, actually. And you could see that in the rooms, I think. Mm. What was your kind of top takeaway? Like, did you feel like you would do anything differently the next time you set up a writer's room, having gone and and observed the rooms in L.A.? Oh, I think I could probably quite a few, uh, quite a few things. I think, I mean, one of the things was how close to the wire they work. The context in which you run a writer's room for a big TV show, it's like you get the word that you're commissioned. So, you know, you have all of your pilot season and then like it all happens pretty quick and you've got potentially i mean on like more streaming or cable shows it might be 10 episodes but like on a network show 22 episodes wow so first of all you need a load of writers so you, your ego like nobody like in ireland i think what happens is quite often one writer will write a whole show because it's only four episodes mm. or six episodes yeah i mean not only very manageable but like if it's 22 episodes, you have to have other writers mm. and you need new ideas. You need new story ideas. So on one of the two shows we were on, they were breaking episode 12 or 13. So they were just figuring out the story beats. But episode five was on the TV. Oh, wow. So next week is episode six. Next week is episode seven. So the decisions they're making now, <laughs> like in, in, in like six or seven weeks, are going to be, they're going to be shooting it in three weeks or two weeks. And they're going to be editing it and it'll be on the air in six weeks. So, it's a, it's so a train it, that's left the station. <laughs> so incredibly fast work. It makes things very, very topical. So there will be debates about like, you know, big, big debates about 
should this person be doing this? And then, you know, you literally things would come up about, you know, stuff going on in the news. Like, about, yeah. can we actually say that now? Is that a good thing to be saying? And they're both quite responsive, I think, to to audience. Like, very, 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 very aware of what's going on in the Twitterverse. Mm. Very, very, you know, and also aware of not being fan fiction. So there's a real tight balance between it's really interesting what the audience are responding to, but also we need to not be derailed by that we need to keep to our theme that must be so difficult it was i think there was <laughs> i think there was definite tensions in the rooms between those things i think the other thing that i was really surprised by was the extent to which the writers were all producers and you see that like exact mm. producers but actually it's incredibly hands-on they're making all the casting decisions wow they're making literally they'll be pitching an idea and a, a thing will pop in on their phone saying do you want the blue shoes or the red shoes you know like Lots of debates and then big, big, everybody very, very aware of what the cast, who the cast are, what's going on in their lives. In one of the shows we were on, there was a thing where one actor, there was an actor who had had a, an injury and they were literally trying to work out what the prognosis was. And they were they were brainstorming two different tracks for the second half of the season one which was that actor would be back and in full flow in which case they needed to be serviced they their character wow. needed to be serviced in a particular kind of way or the other one was that actor would still be injured and it was quite a physical show and like action show so they would need to find a different trajectory for their arc in that season where they would be they would in the show be you know convalescing and you know maybe the frustration of being not wanting to back out in the in the action wow i'm never going to watch these shows in the same way again i know right so the next writer is mary mcguckian mary is a director producer and of course a writer it has become clear that the world watches its content on a lot of different formats and it, on different medium and I, like most filmmakers or drama makers, need to evolve into what we now call episodic content, which is very exciting. And that's why I was thrilled to take up this opportunity to go to Los Angeles and meet the writers' rooms. Mm. And you're working on some episodic content yourself now, is that right? Yes, I've been, well, slowly in the background, trying to learn how that works. So I've very much stuff in development, but a, a series around bisexuality, young women's sexuality, which is very American which is with the producer Danny Rose from Cougartown and Scorpion. So that's that's in development in the US. And now, amazingly, we've just been awarded some development money for an, a, an Irish piece called Hashtag I Believe Her. Wow, that sounds great. Yeah. And as you were saying, it is kind of an exciting and new landscape, the whole television gold rush, as people are, are calling it. And what do you find particularly exciting about episodic and, you know, kind of longer form content coming from indie film? I get the, the exciting part of it is, you know, I've grown up making movies. So you cre every time you make a movie, you start with a blank page, you create a world, you raise a lot of money, you bring the actors around it, you develop characters, you put a lot of effort and investment into this world. And after, I mean, these days the shoots are so short, after a six-week shoot and months and months of editing, it's over. And so all that investment and all that heart and all that soul has, you know, has a finite productivity. So the idea, and I'm finding a lot of actors who've come from theatre and film are enjoying this also, mm -hmm. the idea that you can create a world and develop characters and develop them further on a much longer arc and in a much longer journey and tell a much more detailed story 
you know, a lot of what has went started to happen in movies was because thing because people wanted stories to move more quickly. We were almost chopping almost chopping the substance out of our material. Whereas now with episodic content, you can you can explore things in much more detail over much longer periods of time. So the investment is worth it. You can put your heart and soul into it. I'm imagining because I haven't done it yet, um, <laughs> and have something that will continue and reverberate for a period of time and go on a journey. You know that 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 validates that investment. And what did you make of your experience in the LA writers' rooms? Well, it was a totally new experience. And first of all, I have to say for Screen Skills Ireland, I think it was extremely well organized. And Des is an incredible asset. You know, the access that he had and the access that he offered us in terms of the studios we visited and the writers' rooms, the top writers' rooms that that, that we were allowed to sit in, uh, and, and the many showrunners that we met in just five days was phenomenal. I get, you know, I've had an interesting experience developing a series with a quite a well-known producer in America who has had to explain to me things that I didn't know. This is how a writer's room works. This is what's going to happen. No, you don't have to write all 10 episodes right now, which I didn't realize. <laughs> you don't have to write the whole Bible. We do a thing called a mini Bible. Oh, I missed that bit. So I, you know, so I was kind of overachieving. And while he was explaining it in theory and I could understand it, I'd never seen it because we don't have it here. It's not our culture. Uh, so, but but very quickly, you know, you you can you can figure out very quickly just sitting in the room and and, and we, obviously we weren't participating in the experience we were observing, but very quickly you could get a sense of what the dynamics are and how it works and what the organizational structure is and what's good and what isn't good. And would you hope to bring models like that back to Ireland? Is that part of the the goal of the process is for, you know, people like yourself who are creating content here to bring back writers' room writers' rooms models to Ireland? That was entirely the objective of the exercise <laughs> was if if we managed to get the hashtag I believe her, for example, off the ground, which for me is something that needs to be written by Irish or Northern Irish women, that we could do a mini version of a of, of a big studio writers' room and create that group dynamic and have the collaboration and start that process. So I'm thrilled that it looks like we're going to be able to do that. That's fantastic. And do you think, are there things that that you noticed in particular about the writers' rooms in the States that were something you'd never seen before? Was there anything that really kind of surprised you about them? Um, It wasn't something I'd never seen before, but something I have been reflecting on, which is that over the course of my career, when I started making films coming from theatre, the script was key. It was all about the writing. And, the, and often in the commissioning process, particularly a British commissioning process that came out of television, the producer commissioned the material and the writer and then hired a director. Over the course of the last 20 years, the, the monstre sacré emerged. The Lars von Triers and Quentin Tarantinos, and it, suddenly the director became almost somebody, you know, almost a kind of an enfant terrible that everybody was frightened of. And for some reason, for me, it played into the whole patriarchy. This notion that there was the kind of uh, the kind of infallible being with the great vision, but in actual fact, for me in my working life as somebody who writes, directs, has had to produce because not many people wanted to produce female fare for a long time, and edits and all the rest of it. The material, the writing, was what mattered. So to see the emergence of this kind of persona of a director, the the kind of great movie director, the visionary. And know from experience where the work is and where where the heart of the material is. To me, in the process of being a writer and a producer, and a director, the director, while important, and you have to have a vision, you have to manage a set, and all the rest, is the implementer of the vision, mm. not the visionary it, him or herself. And what is rather wonderful for me 
is to see that in the in the world of episodic content, the writer and the writer's room is the heart and soul of the of the material. It is the writer, the executive producer, who is the main writer, who, the creator of the show, who runs runs the gig, who brings the writers up, who collaborates on the material, who develops it, and then they hire directors. So I think we've, we'll see a massive shift back to the recognition of the value of, of, of script and creation and the, you know, the, the core material. And it's quite a collaborative process as well. It's, it's kind of contrary to what we usually see in, in Ireland and the UK, where writers work alone and in isolation. And what do you make of that? It, I mean, as a writer, it sounds like a dream, really, to get to go and, and work with other people and collaborate and throw around ideas. Again, and, and that plays into the, you know, the enfant terrible reaction is, or revision is, is that the dynamic of a well-run writer's room is a very collaborative environment. You must leave your egos outside the door in a suitcase, well-packed and locked. And, uh, you know, and, and it's a very generous process, or when it's effective, it's a very generous process. So that's exciting. And that, for me, it kind of leans into a, a, a natural set of female skill sets, you know, which I'm really looking forward to exploring. That's great. So I take it you're looking forward to getting to run your own writer's room on one of these projects. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Very much so. And uh, one of the things Mm -hmm. that Des was telling us is that the writer's rooms can really look very different one to the other. He Mm -hmm. said that one of the only things they have in common is that is, you know, a table and chairs amongst all of them. Did you see anything that in any of the writer's rooms that you found particularly useful, like any tactics or techniques that you would want to bring into your own room? I think yeah, some, it was interesting because the diff- different, it, clearly depending on who was running the writer's room and who the core writer was, there were writer's rooms that were very character arc driven. So they would have, pro- clear, everybody had a process or a procedure. And we all as writers have our own processes and procedures and ways, that, you know, ways of structuring, uh, you know, creating a process that, to which you can work for, uh, you know, that comes from wh- wherever your value system in drama is. So there are those who are character driven. There are those who are plot driven. There are those who are, you know, kind of in the procedure. So for me, it was very interesting to go to writer rooms in the kinds of shows that I would never be involved with, like SWAT, for example. (laughs) So we're in SWAT, which is a very male environment. Though interestingly, the other thing I noticed, which was kind of wonderful, is everybody's trying to up the female participation in the writer's rooms. And that I I suspect, and they all spoke a lot about it to that point, because I would ask them about it. It's, It's something they're very conscious that they need to do. And it is changing the dynamic in the rooms. So, for example, on SWAT, there were female, three female writers on, in the group that, that we observed. And, and you could definitely feel that that was having a very you know, interact, positive interaction in, 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 the, in the room. However, you know, that inevitably, as a procedural, was all about the, you know, was all about the action sequences. You know, so, it, so yeah, I could see them arcing all the action sequences and then they put a story around it. <laughs> whereas whereas the, the chaps doing Supergirl, and by chaps I mean everybody, you know, came from a much more character-driven process. So their big wall was all character arcs and stories across seasons and then across series and then across episodes. So it was all very validating and reassuring that no matter what kind of show you're in, the, the you know the basic dram, dramatic pre, pre, precepts are still required. The language is different. American is a different language to English that we the English that we speak. So it was all fascinating. The one thing I was kind of surprised about, I mean, I did bring that up a bit, and I'm kind of looking into figuring that out. Is a lot of this was very, you know, whiteboard and coloured pens. There wasn't much technology involved. So I found that a bit surprising. 
and I think I can't see that it wouldn't be very difficult to to create some technology around you know around the process of recording all of the conversations and material that emerges in in a day's work in a writer's room. Our final writer is Dahi Keen. He's a freelance TV and film director. He wrote and directed a series on the Irish American underworld that is available on Netflix as The Irish Mob. He also directed on Klondike, or as it's known internationally, Dominion Creek, a Western drama series. And I spoke to Dahi over Skype. Well, I have been working with a group of writers on a project I'm developing, an international TV drama project. And as part of that group, you know, as part of that work, I I set up this kind of proto writers room with a, a couple of other people who I'd been developing the project with. So I was very keen just to see how the whole system operates over, you know, on the other side of the Atlantic, which is where really... For me, the whole notion of the writer's room is really it's it's kind of where it originates. It's where it's 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 done to its 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 best, because a lot of the work we would do here in Ireland and the TV work I'm involved in, it would be very much driven by, say, a single writer who would be across maybe a whole series or maybe, you know, sometimes individual writers are given episodes. But very rarely is there that idea of everybody working in a particular writer's room and, and that being a kind of a, an ongoing process. So I was really keen to just see how that worked on the ground, how, you know, a showrunner would involve himself or herself in that process, how the individual writers would would respond in the room and how I maybe then would be able to apply that to my own work, both the project I'm developing at the moment and other projects that I'm considering, you know, getting off the ground in the future. I wondered what Dahi thought the importance of the writer's room was coming from Ireland and the UK, where traditionally writers tend to work solo or in much smaller numbers than they do in the US. Well, I suppose there's two ways to look at it. Maybe when you're talking about a lot of Irish TV, there mightn't be such a huge need for having a whole multitude of, of writers because often our series runs are so much shorter. You know, you might get a four episode season or you might maybe get six so for those situations, maybe one writer can take care of the whole writing process. But when you're looking at larger productions, which is really where I think a lot of Irish people are heading towards or, you know, aspiring towards in terms of the streamers, those will be maybe, you know, you might have 12 episodes, you might even have more. The shows we were sitting in on over in America had, you know, over 20 episode seasons. And in those situations, really, it's too much for one writer. And then the other side of the coin and I think a, a, an aspect of it that I was quite interested in is that by having a variety of, of writers, you're, you're, you're opening up your story to a variety of experiences and, and you're, you know, it's opportunities to get other voices into the room, other voices on the page that then will enrich and enhance the material. So, you know, it's, it's, it's about servicing the story. And if you can do that by bringing a wealth of you know, other talented people to the table, well, then, you know, that's that's a great part of the process and something we can take advantage of. So what was the experience like for you? For me, it was, it was I suppose I had a good grounding in how a writer's room might work because I had done a good bit of research beforehand, you know, even when I was setting up the, 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 the project here in Ireland, I would have read up on how writer's room operates and there's some great podcasts out there. You can listen to people who run writer's rooms and who give you a good insight into it. In fact, we ended up meeting one of the guys, Javier Green, Marcos, who was a writer on Lost, and now he has just actually just recently been nominated for I think a Golden Globe for his work on The Dark Crystal. So you know he had a great podcast that's been going for years called Children of Tendu that he does with Jose Melino, and it's it's a real like wealth of information in there and knowledge. So I would have had a good idea of how the room operates. What for me was very interesting, I suppose, then seeing it 
at ground level was maybe you know how important the hierarchy in the room is how how even though they're quite you know there's a sense of a democracy in there it's quite it's pretty uh delineated as regards what your role is and it's a very much a, a, a system that is in place and has been used for years so there's various strata of you know levels of staff writers versus executive producers versus story editors and everybody has a very clearly defined position within that hierarchy and then how how to you know I suppose how how that can work in the room itself and how important it is to have you know there's a whole sense of maybe casting a room of writers too it's it's who who you bring into that room to, and what they can offer in terms of having you know you're not bringing in five or six different writers who all do the same type of thing everyone is maybe there for a different reason and I thought that was quite interesting how the differences between the different people who are in the room as writers so what are some of the things you learned from the experience well I think I learned that a lot of the stuff I've been doing already was you know on the right track I got some good very interesting because you know you're there right at the coal face and you just saw exactly how they were mapping out not only their individual episodes but also the season arcs and that was quite interesting you know just seeing exactly how they broke down their a b c d storylines their character plot lines their arcs for seasons in terms so just a, a good kind of basic approach for me it was like that's really what I wanted to see the more, because, you know, we can all come up with stories, we can all throw ideas around, but just how they organized their material and how they broke it down in a very diagrammatic way, the way they used the whiteboards, the way they used the cards, that was something I felt it was very beneficial to see that in action, because that's very hard to imagine when people are talking about something like that on a podcast or in an interview. So seeing that in, in the flesh and being able to see how that system, how that works and the best way to do that was good for me, you know, and I learned a lot from that. I mean, I think the whole experience was hugely beneficial because, you know, and I have to hand it to somebody like Des Doyle and, 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 and the whole Screen Skids Ireland who, who facilitated the course. Not only are you, are you sitting in with the writer's rooms, but there's so much else going on around the, the time you're over there. I mean, we, we had meetings, nearly every opportunity that we had, like we were in the writer's rooms maybe from nine till five, but then every evening there was opportunities to meet with and discuss projects with other writers. And some of those meetings were probably the most eye-opening for me because these were people, you know, I, 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 to tell the truth, I don't see myself getting involved in American network broadcast TV anytime soon. But some of the other writers who we met were people who were, you know, working on their own material, developing shows, which were maybe going to go to writers' rooms, maybe not. And those meetings were hugely beneficial and really, you know, inspiring and and give you a sense of the potential that's out there and the possibilities that are out there. Because, you know, sometimes we can kind of get fixated on... Oh, you know, we're in Ireland. If you don't get, if your show gets turned down by RT, what else are you going to do? You know, but there's a lot of opportunities out there, and it's just a matter of maybe making a few of those connections and getting your material in front of the right people, and you know, the whole world could open up for you. And, and also, how quickly things can happen. So, you know, it's uh, it was it was it was a great couple of weeks in that sense as well, just to kind of give you a. Uh, you know, uh, look at the po the other side of what's happening in the world of TV and drama and film. I'm, I, I would like to, you know, I think that it was it was well run. It was organized so well. Des, is, he's got great contacts over there. And I think, you know, hopefully on the back of these type of, of, of events, we can kind of open doors that will help us because there's a lot of clamor about the streamers, but really very little happening in this country in terms of actual productions getting made that are of Irish origin. So I think it's only a matter of time. And the more of these type of events and, you know, 
meetings that happen, hopefully the quicker something like that will come, come, come about. I couldn't think of a better sentiment to wrap up today's show. If you're a writer or indeed anyone in the screen industries, keep an eye out on ScreenSkillsIreland.ie for more opportunities and training like this. That's ScreenSkillsIreland.ie. Well, that about wraps things up. I've been Liam Garrity. I've been Christina Yee. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.